Sup, fellow freak shows. I'm Lorraine. And I'm Amanda, and welcome to Monsters of the Midwest. Welcome back for part three of Trapped in the Closet with R. Kelly. Um, We've been in here so long that we're starting to rethink our wardrobe. So we're trying to get out of here. Right. I've been in the closet most of my life. Like, I'm I'm tired of this place. Let's get the fuck out. Um, Yes. Also, thank you guys for coming back after uh, the the heavy hitter that was the second episode. Um, Please, you know, we appreciate the fans that come back. Uh, That was a bit of a different type of episode for me because it was so factual that it was hard not to be bullet pointy. So I apologize if I came across that way. I assure you that uh, most of our, our tales that we shall tell will not be that same way, but there was just a lot of information (laughs) I wanted to put in there. So it was kind of hard to make it any different, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it is. It's a lot of, there's so much shit that's going on with this, this case in general that it's hard to like get, all of the information as much as you can out without sounding that way. So we do appreciate everyone just sticking sticking with us and right. It was a long to long what we one. have to say. Yeah, yeah, it was a long one. Um, this one's not going to be that way. So um, let let's just get right back in. You know, it's uh, yeah. where we left off let's was uh, yeah, where uh, Kells was finally heading to trial. Finally, okay. after all the trials and tribulations, you know, um, right. So, his big trial happened, and hundreds showed up for his trial, mostly loyal fans, you know, his cult following that we talked about, um, and a large plethora of young uh, African-American women showed up, mostly from his neighborhood, Southside Chicago. Um, right. What was really crazy was that most of the people that showed up outside of his, like, that waited outside of his trial were not there for the victims or in support of the victims they were actually like picketing against them saying like this is crazy Kells didn't do this blah 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 they were like just it was very intense and very cult-like following yeah Um, yeah I remember like the hype around it and how intense everything was because so many people jumped on the bandwagon of like let's make a satirical episode on this show and that show and uh, like the boondocks really stuck out, stuck out to me because it was literally like a spitting image of outside the courtroom, everyone picketing, like he didn't do this and whatever. I mean, obviously that episode was a little distasteful, but it just stuck out to me because I was like, oh shit, I didn't realize it was that serious. And this was years ago. Yeah. Uh, the boondocks, I'm not sure what that is. I'm it's like, an anime. It's an anime. Actually. Oh, that's why. It's, that's why. Yeah, and it's um, it's an African American family that ends up moving to the suburbs, and it's like a fucking trip. It really is. It's funny. It's really funny, and it's very entertaining. But that episode, I remember vividly because I was like, "There's no way it's like this. There's no way that there's a bunch of fans picketing and they're listening to his music and dancing right. and shit." And I was like, there's no way it's like this. But in, in actuality, it kind of was. It really was. And um, like I quoted a bunch of times before in the last couple episodes, um, there is a really good um, amount of 
actual footage from all of this and the victims and stuff on the uh, Surviving R. Kelly episode, the three-part series or whatever on Netflix, I really encourage everybody to watch that. Um, It does have a lot of live footage from the actual outside the courtroom. What really kind of, like, grabbed me was that in all that mess and all that, like, being covered by the media, like, every news, everything was there. Somehow, Mm -hmm. this dude still had the opportunity to speak to young women and hand out his phone number or, like, hand out burner phones or whatever. Somehow he still was able to pick up women during all this. Oh, my God. So nuts. It's it's so crazy. It's absolutely bizarre to me. Um, So I won't get into the court case, won't get into all that. But meanwhile, all this, literally while this is being, like, broadcasted on TV, everything... This is the literal exact week that the um, he dropped the Ignition remix, which is notably like the biggest song of his entire career. It's the most yeah. like it brought in the most monetary value. It had the longevity. It was just it was the biggest you know song. Um, so yeah, I remember that. And just the fact that he was on trial for these horrid things. And he's releasing music that is just skyrocketing, like, blowing, like, billboard charts out of the water. It just shows how devoted and how loyal his fan base really is. Um, And they were, I mean, there's tons and tons of uh, quotations from people, like, talking about just how amazing his art is and how he could have, this type of artist could have never done that. And they're just so blindly following him and his art. Like, it's just, it's... Looking back on it, it just, it blows my mind. Um, right. So as the, you know, that same album is the one that um, Step in the Name of Love came off. Of. I mean, like, he had so many hits that came to Chocolate Factory, all that. We all saw my burnt copy of it that I had when I posted the picture. Um, <laughs> but it's just like that, it was almost like that was a new pivotal point in his career. Like, him being on trial and releasing this stuff was like... It, like, reignited a fire with his fans. Like, hey, we're just going to remind you how much we care for you, how much we believe in you, blah, blah, blah. And it was really just sickening and very culty. And this is where a lot of the media kind of started up the whole the cult of R. Kelly. And um, there is a lot of articles on that and, like, their conspiracy theories, which are really interesting. So if you ever want to deep dive into some weird rabbit holes, just search the cult of R. Kelly. Um they're out there too. They're, oh my there's gosh, it's so crazy. many articles. We'll post we'll post a couple articles that we find on our Facebook so you guys can like dip a toe in and see what right. we're talking about because it's absolutely bananas. It is it is. It is so bananas. Um but the chocolate factory, like I said before, it debuted at number one for eighteen weeks whilst Damn. he was on trial. whilst he was on trial. Uh <laughs> The song Step in the Name of Love also debuted at number one. It's just, it was fucking insane. And the song, like, the Step in the Name of Love song, it became the hottest, like, most wanted, most requested family anthem for weddings, for anything, like, graduations, whatever. It it just, yeah. I mean, it was the big, it was the happy song, you know? It was yeah. the... and it's very upbeat. It's very yeah. catchy. Yeah. So... I am going to probably butcher these next two ladies' names, and I apologize so much. I tried to even find um, a translation on Google, and I couldn't I couldn't figure it out because I'm uh. clearly, clearly a dumb fuck. So as I butcher these <laughs> names, uh, Tarana Burke, 
she was actually the founder of the Me Too movement. Um, So this is a quote from her. She says, uh, and, and she's speaking about the Step in the Name of Love song. She says, this song was the song that became the anthem in the black community. It gave him another, it gave him another layer of covering um, inside the black community to where people could not see what he was really doing. So Oof. I thought that was kind of powerful and kind of scary at the same time. Because yeah. he, he's an idol to them. You know, especially to someone who came up from the literal, you know, bottom end of the barrel area and made... A yeah. gigantic, ridiculous, huge success of himself. You know, people yeah, look up right, to, right. to people like that. They It gives them hope. It gives them like, oh, hey, you know, if he can do it, I can do it. We went to the same school, you know, whatever. Whatever their story right. may be. Um, but even though the evidence had been shown multiple times, he was never seen guilty amongst, like, the black community. Um, and here's where this, I apologize, this name here. Aronke Odell? Uh, O-R-O-N-I-K-E. I apologize. I don't know how to say it. Um, okay. But she is the founder of the New R. Kelly movement, which was in 2017. Um, she quoted that this was received as a smack in the face. Um, like, no one is ever going to stop me. No one is ever going to... Uh, no one is ever going to not be a fan of me. Blah, blah, blah. Like, stuff like that. Um, right. I'm just always going to be praised. And yeah. you can just, I'm an, it, it's, it's like, I'm an icon to people, you know, I, you can't stop. Once the train starts rolling, you can't stop it. Right. Like literally I've done the worst of the worst and look at all these people. They're standing outside my courtroom. They're standing out here, like still praising me, still making my shit. Number one, I'm still going, I'm laughing all the way to the bank, you know? And it's just, it's absolutely sickening. Mm. Um, but during the trial, he went to all lengths to save his own ass, basically. Um, he, he, he said so many different lies. He even got to the lowest point where he blamed the... And, oh, this the trial that he was on, the initial thing that brought him to trial was the, um, the urination video. So, right. And no matter what research you do, like you can find many different... There's so many people that know him, know the girl that's in it, are family members that have publicly made videos, and they're really, really heavy. But it's pretty much a, a consensus that it's fucking him. And it, it's blatant. It's I mean, people that have had sex with him have said, nope, that's his dick. I know, blah, blah, blah. I can tell you exactly where every freckle is, that type of... I mean, it's just... It's crazy. I that's don't know... so wild. <laughs> I don't know how it could could ever have been denied that it was him there's even the girl like on surviving r kelly there's the girl in the video her best friend of her entire life that explains things that are can only be you know i mean the way she wears her hair like where she has a colic stuff like that i mean people just really tried to prove against his lawyers his group of lawyers like no it he's lying this is this is them you know um but he went to what really, really upset me was that he went to all lengths to say, this wasn't, it wasn't me in those videos. Um, it's my younger brother. Yeah. His younger brother, which Terry, is, who, which is... Which if, is terrible. Which is, in the first episode we talked about, the one who suffered the same amount of abuse that he did. His um, yeah. older sister kind of separated the two and, and did the same thing, just back and forth. So it's like, man, dude, you're really going to throw... 
your youngest brother under the it's just I don't know it just really sickens it sickens me. I don't know. Yeah. I just, I, I'm I, like losing words because it just makes me absolutely sick to my stomach that you could he could throw his younger brother, who he is probably the only other person in the world that knows how he's how he suffered. You know. Yeah. And, and then right. he's going to throw all of this onto him. Yeah. Um, I I I have a hard time believing that somebody like his younger brother would be sympathetic to him after trying to blame him for his misdoings, you know? Like, I want to stand by you because you're my family and you went through the same abuse that I did, but there's there has to be a line somewhere, family or not. Like, you can't just, oh, well, you know, he said what he had to to get out of this or that's some bullshit, to be honest. It's it's really bizarre, like, the footage that they have because Carrie actually never goes on any type of media outlet or footage. He doesn't have anything. He has no quotes, nothing. I dove deep trying to find something of, like, his own regard on the situation, and he said nothing. And no, then he, um, he don't want to be a part of it. He, he doesn't. I wouldn't. He, Hell no. He, he, the only thing I found was that he had quoted on Wendy Williams in the day. Yeah, I don't know how the fuck oh, I found boy. this. So he quoted on Wendy Williams before Wendy Williams was a thing. It was when she was like on the low end of the dial radio show. Um, oh, okay. I don't know if she's from Chicago or not, but I'm assuming that maybe she is. Or I at think least, so. yeah. So he was on there and he said, "I went or I picked up my daughter from school, who was you know she's beaten and bloody, and my daughter's co- or like her." classmates beat the shit out of her and said your dad's a monster your dad's sick blah 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 he did this to these girls and this and that and she and she tried to stand up for him and you know and and he said after that after i had to you know see that happen to my own child just for defending my honor because she knows that this wasn't me he goes that's when i cut all ties and i was done yeah that's what you do as a parent you know i don't have any kids but i'll tell you if i did have kids and you know, Uncle So and So was a predator. Hell no, I would never ever let my child near that person ever again. And not to mention, it's so heavily covered in the media and everything. It's like, yeah, it's, what what does that do for your child who has no say in this, who has nothing to do with it? And then the weird, yeah, and the weird thing is, is like, so he went and he said, you know, I'm not going to be a part of this. Like, I'm just going to protect my family, which is super honorable. But it's so, it's so sad that he had to go through that. And his, you know, his daughter had to go through that. But then their oldest brother, um, who, I don't know if he was older than the girl that was the abuser. I can't remember. But he was older than those two boys, than Kelly and um, Carrie. Um, Okay. He is like, okay, first of all, all of his interviews are done in a prison. He's in shackles. Motherfucker's been in prison, been living in there. So we already, you know, take his, his fucking word with a grain of salt, you know. We don't know him. Yeah. <laughs> we, we're just, you know, getting a... It seemed like he was blowing smoke up everybody's ass that was there to listen. You know, like, ooh, I just want my time on TV. This is, I'm going to ride this for all it's worth. And mm-hmm. he talked so much shit about... Carrie and saying, oh, well, he's just pissed because he didn't get the payout that I did. It just it's weird because it's it's going back and forth with saying like, oh, he took a payout. Now he's silenced. But my brother, 
Kelly, blah, blah, he's the best. And I don't know. It's so fucking bizarre because none of his stories make any sense at all. So you can clearly pinpoint that he's lying. Yikes. Some, if not all of it. Um, now, is this in any of the documentaries? That's in the third one, actually. Okay. Um, the one that I believe it's focused on the lawyer that either represented R. Kelly or was a part in, um, I, I think it's the lawyer, part of the lawyer team that represented him. So that one okay. is, and that's on Netflix right now, currently. Um, so I, you know, ask everybody to go watch it because it's really, really interesting. Um I went really deep in the last episode, as we talked about before, about the the whistleblowers, the strong women that came forward, um, that got this fucking monster on trial. Uh, Because I feel like their voices really needed to be heard. I think a lot of them that I didn't even mention or didn't even have names for were silenced. They were silenced by money. They obviously came up in lower income areas, whatever the reason, thought they were getting, you know, their shot at fame and got completely, you know, just demoralized in the worst way possible. Um, so obviously when they were given payouts, they were silenced and they were scared, threatened, whatever, you know, whatever their story is. But I feel like they needed a safe. they didn't have a safe platform to talk at that point, but I just really wanted to acknowledge them on here and give them, you know, at least have what I do know about their stories told. Um, but I'm choosing not to go into any of the stories or the victims that happened after R. Kelly was on trial at this time because their stories are easily looked up. They're more well-documented. Um, they are actually the stories that they focus on in the documentaries series. Um, and their parents are, are almost, they haven't been paid off like, the original victims i'm not saying they're any less i'm just saying they're you don't have to do a deep dive to find out them um or anything about them so uh you guys can look up whatever you want on them go into it i you know encourage you to do so if you want to know everything about this case but i'm not going to go into it any farther i'm just going to leave it at giving you know a platform for the women that didn't have that luxury i guess Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. And as promised, um, I wanted to go deeper into my story as it pertains to me and the Pied Piper of R&B. Uh, so it, I kind of threw, threw around how I was going to talk about this. So uh, welcome to vulnerability, right? <laughs> let, let, let's, <laughs> okay. read my, let's read myself for filth here. I'm ready. Um, so being a feminist and an activist... You would think that I could easily just like drop artists at the, at the at the dime just by hearing cases like this, right? I mean, especially being in like the EDM community, like you hear one allegation, buy you're canceled, you know. And yeah. as as millennials, we're not big on the cancel culture, but it's kind of uh, well, as elder millennials, I guess I'm an elder millennial, so yeah, maybe, maybe I'm, the I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah, maybe like the younger millennials into the Gen Zs, they're big on cancel culture, you know? Like, oh, they're canceling sons of bitches left and right. Let me tell right. you, right? I mean, don't cancel us, <laughs> right? Like, shoot, I mean, like that sick, I that thing. I mean, he was canceled in four minutes flat. The entire flat. fucking the entire yeah. fucking EDM community, fucking bass actor. I mean, we could go on. They are just they're 
loyal fans are just fucking done. They don't put up with this shit. They aren't doing it. You know, they stand for right. the women. They stand for the victims. They stand for, you know, everybody. Um, but when it comes to cancel culture and like separating the art from the artist, that has been one of the biggest struggles I've had to deal with. Um, with these artists that I grew up that really meant something to me um, in one way or I like I I don't know I guess I take me as you know I take music to a more intense level than most people I guess Um, it's true it is true she does (laughs) but um, it's it's difficult for someone who has connected emotionally or you know mentally in some way through this music that like no one else has been able to do before either. So right. I understand. And it wasn't until I really went this hard into this case um, that I realized it's... It, I think the reason why I couldn't cancel him or get on to any of the, like, the Mute R. Kelly movements or really truly devote myself to the, the standing with the women and the victims in that is I think I was so invested in such a long time thing. I think I needed closure, maybe. Is that, huh. I mean, as weird as that sounds, I know it's, it's fucking bizarre, but <laughs> so like rolling back 1995, that was arguably like my favorite year of my life. Okay. Big 90s. Okay. I'm literally still stuck in the 90s. My style is still stuck in the 90s. I love Every movie and every song that came out from that year, that was just a quintessential year. I don't fucking know why, but it was. It was great. Uh, most influential- I was six, so. I, I was in fifth grade, so. Oh, hell. Fifth grade, I'm 10, 11, maybe. So, um, I mean, when it came to movies, clothes, music, especially R&B music, like, that was one of the most influential times of my life. So, right. so in 95, I was 11 years old, fifth grade, stacked full of hormones, struggling with figure, figuring out who the fuck I was, um, what I liked, what I loved, what I hated, um, how to express myself, what style I wanted, you know. Um, mm-hmm. My safe place was always music. I was in band. I was in choir. I listened to music all the time. That was That was my escape. That was my safe place. That was where I felt like... I was heard, I guess. Right. You know? So between, like, yeah. hormones and struggling, like, with my sexuality and all of that and not being normal, I guess, in my parents' or other people's eyes at that time, like, it was just... I just remember, like, my first thoughts and goosebumps and stuff I felt when I heard his music and how it just hit me a little different. Like, okay, like, what is this? You know, I couldn't figure <laughs> it out. And it was... Yeah. I don't know what I like the song. I believe I can fly. Like when I learned that song and watched the video, it just, I don't know. It gave me a different sense of confidence or like positive feeling, I guess like, Oh shit, this isn't going to be forever. Like this struggle, this weirdness I am right now. Like I'll be cool. Like, you know, I'll eventually get over this and things, things are going to be different. I don't know. (laughs) I just, like, standing in the cornfield by yourself, and there's, like, a choir and orchestra coming. I mean, that shit was just fucking powerful to me. You right. know? I yeah. related yep. so heavily to that. Um, that was before I obviously looked back and saw that it was a bunch of fucking kids. No wonder I related, because they were probably my fucking age. But, um... 
I just felt like through that song, I felt like 11 year old me was going to really be something great and that I was a strong, independent person. And that those were feelings that I did not feel prior to that. I didn't have a lot of self-confidence. I still don't have huge amount of self-confidence, but I don't know. <laughs> um, but that was kind of like what got me hooked on him, you know? Uh, yeah. So that, of course, in that time got me to recording MTV videos onto VHS tapes and listen to the radio, waiting for all the oh, songs boy. to come on, you know, putting them on little <laughs> tapes and cassette yep. tapes. Yes. For, for those who don't I, know what I'm I used about. to, I used to record cassette tapes from the radio. So girl, I know <laughs> sitting there waiting to get your perfect mix. Like, hold on, hold on. I know this like 92, five thing. Like I know when he stops here, like blah, blah, blah on the radio. You're like, okay, hit record. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it never turned out right because that lag, but still. Right. So, um, luckily for me, my older brother has always been a a pretty well known DJ, and he started in the UK when I was thirteen. Um, actually, he came back when I was thirteen. He started when I was in first or seventh grade, but he always came back with like the hookup of fucking great music, and of course, like he's always been a heavy like rap R and B like style DJ dance music all of it so like that whole culture it was like he had all the ins of everything that I wanted at that point it was so influential in my life you know yeah. um so I got introduced to songs like Down Low that came out in 95 I didn't know what the fuck it was about I didn't know what that video was about you know but I I liked it and I was here for it you know keep it on the down low <laughs> come to find out not a good message, especially for an 11-year-old. No, no. Right. But um, one of the things that I can still remember vividly is I remember hanging out with my friends and getting ready to go to the mall. And you've heard this story before, but, you know, yeah. we were getting as fly as we possibly could at, like, you know, 14, 15, because we had that one friend that was a little bit older than us that was 16 that was going to drive us to the mall because in this neck of the woods – we it was well known that R. Kelly used to go to the mall. He used to go to Toledo. He used to go to um, Fort Wayne because Chicago's not that far from here, you know. And he, not. him and his no. crew would you know roll up to the mall and they would they would just go hang out. And I was like, oh my god, he loves his fans. He just wants to go hang out at the mall. Like we could be those bitches that like. Oh my god, it's it was y- so young fucked. naive minds, right? You know, and Lord. and like we would spend all day and get ready and like go head out to like freak with these malls, like hoping that he would just be there some like somewhere that we would just have a glimpse, you know? Yeah. And um, for those who don't know, I have a daughter, Zara, who's 10. So the same age that I was when all this stuff was going down. Um, and I'm so blessed and she's exactly like me and she music affects her as deeply as it does me and I just it's so powerful in her life and she just she sees it the way I do which I mean you see music the way I do but it's very rare like I I think a lot of people don't feel it or see it the way that as deeply I guess I don't know I I I don't think that people a lot of people I think there's a handful of people that experience music in it almost like an out of body experience, like a high, like a natural high. Right, exactly. Like you exactly. can you can feel the music and you can listen to the message and everything, but to really like emotionally or or mentally connect to it, it's there's a select few. Right, 
I feel bad for those people that they can't feel it like that, but <laughs> you know, yeah, it's a blessing and a curse, I guess. But mm. like, just thinking about Zara and how she connects to music and has that type of experience, it just really has me reflecting back to me when I was that age and like just seeing how her mindset is and how like trying to connect it to the way my mindset had to have been at that time. Um, and how, like, for one thing, like, she's completely devoted and obsessed with res, which, same, I get it, you know? But it's, mm-hmm. like, that type of devotion when you're that young, I, I just, it reminds me to how devoted I was to, like, him and his music, you know, among other artists, but, like, specifically him. And it hits me so hard on so many levels. It it hits me hard for the victims that were also around my age, Um for the mindsets of girls that age that I can empathize with for the parents of these victims. Cause their stories are absolutely heartbreaking. Um, that a yeah. lot of them were there and they, it, it's not that they were just blindsided. It's that they wanted the best for their kids and they came from, you know, not the greatest upbringing, not the greatest neighborhood. And they just wanted, this was a meal ticket for them to, to allow yeah. a, a ticket to give, you know, their kids, the opportunity to fulfill their dreams because they knew they couldn't do it, you know? Yeah. And it's, you can, you can be anything you want to be as long as you work hard and you set your mind to it. And that's always been like, my parents would always say that my mom would say that my dad was very, very talented. But when you're young, you only know so much. So when you become infatuated with an artist, like, all of us at a young age, like mine was Snoop Dogg. I loved Snoop Dogg. His message was not for eight-year-old me. I'll guarantee you that. But for some reason, I, you know, me, my cousins, everyone, we just gravitated towards him. Like, you know, Daddy Snoop. And, like, we just loved listening to his music, even though it was not age-appropriate at all. And it was just something that we just grabbed onto because at that time like young us we didn't know like we don't know any better right yeah we just know what's put in front of us so everything is very it's very uh influential good or bad and you just you know it it's it's a it's a hard balance when you're a child because you can censor as much as you can but at what point do you go well, they're listening to it. The only thing I can do as a parent is teach them wrong from right and explain to them what's wrong and what's right. Like, that's it. We interrupt your regularly scheduled debauchery to talk to you about some other cool cats. Hi, I'm Sean McCabe. And I'm Carrie McCabe. We are, well, married, obviously, (laughs) but we're also obsessed with the darker side of things. True crime stories, alien abductions, poltergeists. If it leaves you scratching your head and keeping those lights on at night, we want to hear about it. That's why we host the podcast Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. 
Every week, we bring our listeners a true story guaranteed to send chills down your spine, from history's most brutal serial killers to the mystery of spontaneous human combustion. Yep, lots of these stories leave unanswered questions behind, and you'll get to poke through the rubble of the evidence with a hardened skeptic and... Someone whose mind is more open to fun. Yeah, that's what I was going to (laughs) say. The show really feels like just kicking back with us at home and chatting about monsters and tragedies, but having a few laughs along the way. Just like we'd be doing if the mics were off, frankly. (laughs) You can find Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie wherever you get your podcasts and on social media at Ain't It Scary. Come play with us. Forever and ever and ever. What do you think? Their links are in the description, so go check them out, you turkeys. Time to agitate the gravel and get back to Coolsville. And I'm glad that you said, like, censor it to them. Because I don't... I guess I don't raise my kids in a way that I was raised. Because my parents, I mean, they were... They're pretty... They were pretty strict and straight-laced at the... (laughs) Yes and no, I guess. Um, <laughs> they probably had no fucking clue what I was listening to, honestly. But um, <laughs> in in this aspect, but I mean, they they I mean they did their best to raise me in the the best way they thought. Um, but they censored a lot of things. You know, they almost yeah. made it like they were trying to do better for me. Um, and I parent a little differently because I think art is art, and I don't feel you should censor anyone's art. So. I mean, you know, chastise me now, but like, I don't, I, I listen to unedited music around my, my kids. I don't bleep out cuss words. I don't like, no, no. I mean, if there's something that's completely age inappropriate, like sex scenes on TV or something, I don't let them watch that. I'm, you know, I'm not a fucking monster. <laughs> right. But, we got to I mean, draw the line somewhere, but I'm not going to not <laughs> let them listen to a song because it says fucking it. It's, I've just taught them to know what to say and what not to say. You know what I mean? What to repeat and what not to repeat. It's just, yeah, I've, I've chose to parent that way. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know how we got on censorship, but I just going down that rabbit hole there. (laughs) But, um, I guess the, this story just hits me so fucking terribly different because these girls could have been me. They, they very, very easily could have. Um, I realize I'm white and his victims were, were all um, women of color. So there's I had that going for me. But um, I was 100% willing, unknowingly throwing myself at the potential of this nightmare. Because I was a fucking yeah. child. I was a child. I was a child. Yeah. I didn't fucking know any better. I just was... Exactly. Uh, you know, fangirling, I guess. I mean, in the easiest <laughs> yeah. way to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I was researching this case, I had really high hopes that I would find a solid reason that I could finally separate the art from the artist, um, you know, out of respect for the victims, the families, and everybody that was affected. So I continued, like, hours and hours of research. I rewatched videos. I listened to all of my favorite songs by him. I listened to the 29 songs that are that were still on my phone um, up to doing like all this research. Um, 
I rewatched Trapped in the Closet. As we as we talked about, I have it well on the Buy Me a Coffee. I have it on DVD. Um, yeah. I listened to all the shit that meant something to me. Like, and I really like questioned myself, okay, uh, am I good with like not having this anymore? Am I going to be okay and not be able to experience this stuff? Um, it wasn't until I got through this and I started looking at it differently that I looked at his art with different eyes. I noticed so much like this time around, I guess, that I never seemed to notice before. Like when I was struggling with the whole separating art from the artist thing. Yeah. Uh, I looked through it at, through the eyes of like the young girls that I saw in his videos that I never noticed before. Um, you know, the, the, right. the children, the literal fucking children that were in yeah. his bump and grind videos that were in like all of his stuff. Like it, I, <laughs> you know, I just, he had a blatant disregard for their well being, just blatant oh, disregard. I look at how he betrayed his younger brother, who was the same flavor of victim as him, who did nothing but, you know, look up to him for protection. And he tried to throw all of his crimes on him. Um, I look at how he betrayed his own community uh, and the devoted following he had. Um, I look at the potential trauma for his own kids his three kids that he had and the trauma that he caused with his wife, Andrea, it just, I, it just makes me sick. I look at his art now through the eyes of myself as a mother, a feminist and as an activist. Uh, this case to me shows the worst kind of monster. I, I can't even say a monster hiding in plain sight cause this motherfucker wasn't hiding at all. No, not even a little bit. No. And he was using all of this media coverage and everything to his advantage. And like, you know, when, like say when you play chess, you're always thinking three moves ahead. So when your opponent makes a move, you know that there's other moves to be had. And with him and his team and all of the people that worked with him who knew that this shit was wrong and still continued to do it, they are just as much at fault as him himself. Absolutely. So, so. connecting to his music and feeling the way that you felt about all of his artistry is a hard pill to swallow now, it seems like, because of all of the wrongdoing that he did literally in front of everyone and right in front of everyone's eyes. And no one caught it because they're not the center of attention. He is. Right. And so after 25 years of federal court trials, cases, and allegations, um, on September 21st of 2021, R. Kelly has been officially found guilty of sexual exploitation of a child, bribery, racketeering, and sex trafficking of at least five victims. And his sentence has not yet to be determined, but... He's facing 10 years to life in prison um, at minimum. Uh, I just kind of want to end this as a loyal fan of his for 29 years. I know it's a long fucking time. A ride, <laughs> a ride or die for his art um, and possibly a member of, of his cult. <laughs> the more that I read into <laughs> that. Um, this is my official announcement and 
I want to say that I want to say that I stand with all the women, all the families of the victims, um, his wife, his kids, and I have officially muted the fuck out of R. Kelly. That's what's up. That's what's up. I knew it. I knew you were gonna say that because of how emotional you were with the research. Yeah, it's it was a lot. It really was. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's it. I mean, wash your hands. We're 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 out of the closet. We changed our wardrobe. We got you know a little closet organizer. We're all good to go. And I commend you for doing as much research and as many hours of the podcast with this case because it, honestly, I feel like the story isn't told enough. I, I kid you not, I have not seen it on social media because it's because not because I think that it's so intense and there's so much to it that social media has chose to block it out. I know, and which is just, I, it's I don't blame sick. them. I it, really don't. It it boggles my mind because it, there's so many artists and so many people um, that are easily so canceled. Easily, you know? But I really think yeah. that the cancel culture is with the younger generation, and he didn't affect the younger generation like he affected maybe, you know, my our generation and those yeah. older than us. So I don't know if that makes a difference. I don't know. I, I it, It's like a fucking puzzle I can't figure out, honestly. <laughs> right. So with all of that information and the conclusion that you came up with, you know, I feel like it's the right choice. It's the right mental and emotional choice for yourself not to, you know, not to feel like you're being duped by someone that you have cared for their artistry for such a long time. You know, I feel like, you know, you made a real a real big milestone in admitting that you just cannot continue to condone that type of behavior, even though you didn't, but putting his music on your, you know, your phone and watching the music videos and all that stuff, all that stuff is now coming to an end. And it's an, it's the end of an era, you know, honestly, truthfully, but it it's, really it's an era that had to end. It had to end. I had to, and I just, I hope that um, these stories continue to, you know, spread and people get more well acclimated with all this bullshit now that he's finally been, you know, his trial starting to come back up. You know, they got, they finally muted, like I said on the last episode, they got rid of his fucking Vivo. They got rid of, like, a lot of his content on, you know, the internet, which is fantastic. So I hope it continues. Just for the sake of everybody involved. Oh, yeah, for sure. So we are going to post a couple articles on our Facebook, facebook.com slash Monsters of the Midwest pod. Uh, We're going to post those articles about the sex cult or the R. Kelly cult or whatever, so you can read up on it. We'll also um, post the, the documentaries in case anybody wants to watch where you can find them at. And also, if you want to listen to our deep dive into Trapped in the Closet, it is on our Buy Me a Coffee. Um, buymeacoffee.com slash M-O-T-M. 
and that is uh, where you're going to find extra content. There is a uh, support button that you can support us if you don't want the extra content or if you want a little something, something extra. It's on there as well. So go ahead over there. Check it out. We would love for you to do so. And all you great people that um, buy us a damn drink, we're, of course, going to recognize you on this pod publicly to everybody because you are, you know, the elite. So we appreciate that. Yes, Absolutely. Also, wherever you're listening to on right now, um, if you're on Apple, please leave us a a five star review. Leave us a comment. We don't care what you write down. Say, Amanda, quit talking about fucking R. Kelly. That'd be great. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) no more two hour episodes. I love cheeseburgers. We don't give a shit. Just write down something because Apple just wants to see some some little keystrokes on the bottom there. Throws us up the algorithm so other people can enjoy what we got to say as well. Yeah. Always remember the code of the Midwest. Don't talk to strangers. Don't go anywhere alone. And lock your damn doors. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs>